Hello, my name is John Milburn. I'm an instructor at Pragmatic Marketing, and today we're very, uh, very lucky to have John Wilson from Vita on the phone, who's going to give us some some feedback and some insights on some of his experiences with training and with making Vita a more market-driven organization. So, John, welcome. Thank you, John. So, to start things off, the way I like to, we like to run these, John, is uh, tell us a little bit about Vita. Possibly many of the listeners aren't as familiar about Vita, but also tell us about the company, some of the markets you serve, as well as your role in the organization. Sure, John. I'd be li- delighted to do that. So, so Vita is um, predominantly based in Australia and New Zealand, so no surprise that many of your, your listeners wouldn't have heard of us. We are Australia's largest um, data intelligence and insights company, uh, and we're, we're at the forefront of information services and have been there for many decades in this part of the world. Vita is built on the largest, most comprehensive and current data sources in Australia and New Zealand, and we hold more fit-for-purpose credit data than any other organisation in Australia and New Zealand, including some 16.5 million records on credit active individuals uh, in Australia and New Zealand and 4.4 million records on credit active companies and businesses. The breadth and depth of our data and the knowledge it delivers to help our customers take proactive, informed decision-making is, is, our, is our differentiation and competitive advantage. Vita serves a diverse range of markets, including large financial institutions, small to medium enterprises, and indeed consumers. We provide a range of services in the areas of consumer credit risk, commercial credit risk, credit analytics, scoring, data solutions, fraud, identity, verification, uh, and into the insurance automotive uh, and automotive industries as well. We also have a range of customer location services uh, and, and a variety of different company information sources. We have well over 500 employees in Australia and New Zealand and have been around since the 1960s. Presently privately owned, held by private equity. Uh, we also have a range of uh, investments and joint ventures up into the Asia-Pacific re- region. My role here at Vita, John, I'm, I'm re- the general manager of product and market development. That means I run the product management teams, uh, I run marketing, uh, I also look at innovation, growth, uh, and M&A. Okay, great. Uh, Now, I've had the pleasure of spending some time with John and his teams over the last couple of years. You know, John, we at Pragmatic Marketing, we're always emphasizing the market problems, and we're, you know, talking about outside-in. Yeah. With that vast array of data, that vast array of information and tools, give, tell the listeners a little bit about what problems you solve for different types of markets, for consumers, for businesses, for government and other. Kind of t- turn it outside in and describe why we would use a Vita product. Sure, sure. So, so, so for many of your listeners, particularly in the North American market, similar sorts of companies in, in, in that country would be Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion. Um, so, so like those companies in that market, what we're trying to, the market problems we're trying to solve in this market relate to our customers uh, in, in the marketplace that are looking to make credit, uh, particularly credit and lending decisions. So, so you know, be it extending a, a loan, uh, to a to a company or or an individual, uh, or indeed a company looking to extend uh, trade terms, uh, you know, delayed payment terms to another company. So we, as a as a credit reporting agency, uh, 
provide those customers with credit insights uh, on, on, the, on the company or individual's prior credit behaviour to allow them to make uh, at, at accurate uh, assessments with respect to a credit worthiness of an, of an individual or an organisation and then to make a decision about whether, whether or not to extend credit terms. So they're, okay. they're the principal sorts of, of, of problems we solve. There's a range of other things we help with around, around fraud and identity where, you know, customers are looking to reduce uh, the amount of fraud in a certain area or indeed identify who it is they're dealing with, you know, maybe for an AML uh, type of purpose. And, John, I know that from learning about your company, the genesis of your company is an interesting story, and then how you've grown it beyond its, its roots. You want to give the listeners just a quick synopsis of, of how Vita came to be and, and you know, how you as general manager have expanded beyond that core business that you were founded on years ago? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, so you know, Vita was started back in the 1960s when, when the, the need to get uh, a centralized insight into, you know, into credit information uh, for, for organizations in the marketplace uh, to make accurate credit decisions. You know, back, back then it was, it was set up as a, as a mutual uh, credit bureau where, where the members all, all participated not just in the data sharing arrangements, you know, but also in the, you know, in the commercial uh, you know, success of the, of, of the vehicle as well. So, so the you know the central asset and and the the purpose of the of, of the business for many many year, years was as a as a traditional credit bureau, uh, centralising that data and providing that data you know matching it, um, adding it to records and then providing it back to back to organisations. So in a lot of ways we were one of the first um, um, e-commerce companies in the in the country in the way that we operated with uh, with those organisations, and we've grown we've grown. Um, you know, vertically into, into different adjacencies, closely aligned adjacencies, where centralised data matching, uh, running, running you know, systems in a secure uh, environment, you know, trust, compliance, uh, and, 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 you know, kind of the, the data volume, data handling, data management uh, competencies which we have, you know, really lend themselves to certain, you know, certain markets and certain market problems. So in those markets, you know, be it setting up a, a motor vehicle uh, bureau, uh, or indeed a, a centralised identity verification type of service. You know, those, those type of market problems have lent themselves to be uh, addressed by, by, by Vita given the, the core competencies and capabilities built around you know, that credit bureau activity early on. Great, great. Well, thanks, thanks for that, John. Um, let's jump a little bit more specific about how, how your organisation is, is, uh, is managed and you know nothing, nothing confidential here. What we're really t uh, trying to provide some insights to is for other companies to uh, to learn from maybe some of the experiences, or to see an example of, of some of the things you've done well, some of the things maybe you've you've stumbled a bit uh, as you've shifted your company to become more tuned into the market, more market driven. Yep. Um, so so tell us a little bit about product management at Vita and how you've chosen to organize it along the lines and, and their relationship to the other groups in, in the business. Yeah, be delighted to, John. So there's any organization that runs a variety of different product lines or business lines has really got a couple of choices about how you organize. You can have deep, deep silos uh, along each of those business lines where on a business line basis you have you know, sales and marketing and technology, product management, uh, IT uh, support and service, you know, separated and decentralised on a business line by business line basis. The the other model which we've chosen to ad adopt is to is to kind of specialise functionally. 
So, so we have one, um, you know, one customer-facing field-based sales organization. That's our principal go-to-market channel. Uh, we have a centralized uh, group-wide marketing function. Uh, we have a centralized operations, data management, technology, IT, pricing, commercial, legal, all of these sort of functions are, uh, are run uh, as centralized functions. But of course, to be addressing the problems in the market, particularly if you're addressing different markets, you need to have market specialization and, on, uh, and a detailed understanding of those market problems so you can build technology in order to solve those market problems. So on a, on a product management uh, basis, we, we've set up a number of separate business lines which work with you know, our, t our centralized technology team, our centralized market te marketing team, and centralized sales team. And within each of those business lines, they have two you know, principal responsibilities. First of all, you know, they're headed by a business line head, which is the equivalent of a you know, business unit manager. But that business unit manager has not just a very strong commercial orientation, but also a very, very strong technology product management orientation. So, so the, the two principal responsibilities there are to be building products that you know, address problems in markets. So, so we can only do that if we have detailed understanding of market problems. But then also to be running a team of sales specialists that can work with the field-based sales team to, to take our technology to markets and, and have a team of product managers to ensure that we're supporting those activities and, and working with our IT team to build products which are fit for market problems as well. So that's kind of, does that give you a feel for how we're organized, John? So the product lines are really more organized around market-centric or customer-oriented uh, problems rather than the technology that creates the solutions that you're delivering. When Absolutely, you, yes. When those product lines are dealing with issues that are cross-product, you know, Possibly one product line is looking for some sort of change to a product, and you have conflict. We have found with a number of other companies, one of the biggest challenges there really is the governance and uh, and dealing with those kind of uh, you know inter inter silo. Silo is typically a negative term, but but let's yeah. say inter product line relationship. Uh, do you have any methods that you've seen that works well in, when you have those kind of cross? Functional conflicts. Yeah, I mean, you know, each of the you know, because we have organised around markets, um, you know, so 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 the opportunity it's more opportunity than conflict. So so as we as we look to address you know, larger customers that may have a, a, you know a multitude of connecting market problems, you know, clearly it's a, it's a, a you know a well proven strategy to to look at product bundling. So, so, you know, we may be going to market bundling a couple of different products across a couple of those different product lines or business lines. Mm -hmm. And that means, you know, coordination, working together, cooperating around pricing, packaging, and, and the go-to-market activities, uh, you know, more than just working, you know, working on focusing on, you know, selling your own products through the channel to, to a, a defined market. Um, so, so, re so really, you know, the, the, the challenges that do exist if, you, if you've got the rest of the organization organized functionally is, is competing for those internal resources. It's... it's Competing to capture the the mind share and access of the sales channel, uh, and competing for you know scarce technology resources to make sure that you know your, your products are being developed to you know along the along the course of the roadmap and also to you know to address more short term customer customer issues. So that, they they tend to be the you know, the 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 priorities we try and deal with day to day around you know who gets what resources and how do we actually make those prioritization calls. All right. All right, good, good. So, 
you know, I've had the privilege of being down there a couple of times to uh, provide training and also to do some workshops with your teams. As you yep. look back at the last 24 months or so, what were some of the challenge you were faced, challenges you were facing that caused you to look at our training or and or what are some of the things you've seen in marketing besides what you've already talked about today uh, based on some of those best practices? Yep, good. So, so I, I joined Vita uh, 20, 24 months ago, as you know, John, and, and really the thing, that, the thing that struck me, first of all, was you know, the inside-out nature of the organization uh, and, and also the lack of consistency of approach. Now, now, having been myself a pragmatic marketing alumni, and as you know, been through the training in a prior organisation, you know, I, I had a, a reference point of what good looked like. Uh, so, so, you know, within a few months of being here, I think I was on the phone to you, John, saying I need your help. Mm -hmm. the, the 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 challenge of an organisation like this, yeah, compared to a software company that's in the field selling and deploying their software in cu in customers' organisations. So, you really are, you know, in the market in front of customers, putting your systems in customer organizations. Contrasting that to Vita, you know, our history has been organizations come to us and plumb to us. So, so you have this sort of uh, history of never leaving the building. You know, so, so building technology, hosting technology, running technology and exposing web services interfaces or mainframe interfaces to your customers. So, you, you know, you, you had this history of a very inside the building type of, uh, you know, type of culture, very, very successful business. Uh, but, but certainly one that you know was probably more orientated to inside-out decision making than outside-in. So, so that was the first the first challenge I wanted to try and address. And then as you as you start to move to a more you know market-driven approach, you've got to have a consistent approach. You've got to have a consistent language. You've got to have a framework. So, so having uh, you know having had prior experience with and, and being very happy with the results I achieved around pragmatic marketing, decided that we get onto that fairly quickly. And as you know. Uh, We've, we've now had a we had our first training session July 2010 uh, a follow up which, which was you know you here on the ground in Sydney for a week John and then mm -hmm. a follow up session 2011 and planning one for 2012 as well and it's and it's and it's training the new starters reinforce you know reinforcing the messages uh, for those that have been through and just really checking you know, having having a good checkpoint about uh, you know where we're at with uh, use you know thinking embracing and adopting this whole this whole uh, this whole framework. So let, let me uh, let me let me uh, put you on the spot a little bit, John. You know, we cover a number of topics whenever we hold the training. We yep. our pragmatic framework has 37 best practice activities we we talk about. Um, yep. If I was going to challenge you and say, John, what are the three or four areas, three or four areas from the 37 that you've seen the most measurable, the most measurable results, and the biggest change in behavior? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so I think I, I think probably where we were strongest uh, was was on the bottom right hand side. So the more you know, the more technical side of the framework, if that makes sense. So, you know, supporting sales teams, coming up with collateral, you know, just being being a little bit reactive um, in a lot of ways. So, so, so really, I wanted to try and swing the thinking right back to the. The, the top left-hand side of the framework. So to so to come back and think, right, talk about the market. You know, let's let's start with market problems. Let's let's think about market problems, market size, distinctive competence, competitive advantage. What we're going to do, how we're going to do it. You know, road mapping, business planning. So so I think the the biggest change has been a change to the way the conversation works, and 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 you know, really a change to the way that uh, the business is managed by by ensuring that everything is consistently brought back. 
uh, from bottom left, uh, bottom right to top left. You know, starting with the market. Hmm, that's great. So, so uh, any interesting, uh, you know, without naming names or naming products, any interesting uh, stories that pop to mind of where possibly uh, someone was still on an inside out, you know, inside the building attic move and and uh, and you shifted them, or or is that getting a little bit too confidential? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's that's probably touching on the too confidential. I think, John. I mean, I, I'm, I'm probably not prepared for the detail of that either. But, but I mean, you, you you've been here and you've seen some of the proof points around our adoption, so so you know it's you know it's happening. Oh yeah, I mean the uh, from the first session to the second session, the entire attitude about about uh, speaking from the out, out customer point of view, understanding of that day in their life, understanding the competitive yes. alternatives, right? You know yes. that. That that is always hard for a legacy company such as your own to say the the option is Vita or not Vita. No, yep. there might be something else. You know, it, it Google Wiki, uh, and you're starting to see some competition from non-Australian firms in your space. You know, and so absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So Experian have made a you know a big announcement that they're going to enter this space uh, with quite some investment and support from the local bank. So you know those sort of those sort of decisions do keep. To keep you focused. <laughs> there you go. Um, so, you know, we've been with you for about 24 months. For others that are listening to the podcast, any sort of best practice timeline that that you, you know, if you had the last 24 months to do over, some things you might have done earlier, something you might have done more of, um, that, 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 you know, you could help others that are listening? Yep. So, so, so I think, you know, uh, what what we did uh was not just get the you know get you and John to help us with the with the training uh it was really it was really a matter of ensuring that you know we we had a an adoption uh, of the of the framework and and to do that you know we we implemented quarterly you know business line reviews specifically around um the adopting adopting and embracing the the pragmatic marketing framework so so i think in terms of a a best practices timeline I think I think you know it's, it's like uh, it's like physical fitness. You know how you describe you just went for a run before this call. Mm-hmm. It's something you've got to continue to work at. You, you never make it. You know you, you're you're always got to be paying attention uh, and 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 working at uh, you know being market driven and practicing good product management. So so and that means focus and that means and that means you know talking the talk, walking the walk, and ensuring that it's all going on. So so quarterly reviews with each of the business lines have helped us do that to make sure that we sort of step back from a you know, maybe a P&L or, or, or sales pipeline type discussion, and ensure that we're actually looking at, you know, are we doing the right things the right way? Um, so, okay. so that, that's been that's been fairly important, and and has helped uh, ensure that we adopt uh, the framework. So, uh, at least a quarterly, let's look up out of the foxhole and make sure that we're still heading in the right direction, that we still understand why we're doing things. Yep, correct. Good deal. So, so John, another area, I have just a little outline of a few areas, and one of the areas that we get an awful lot of questions at Pragmatic Marketing about is around development methodologies and it, their impact on product management. Uh, yep. You know, there's a lot of discussion in the industry and a lot of movement toward more agile approaches such as Scrum. There are some still develop, many development environments doing waterfall, and then there's a lot of hybrids. Um, You've got a pretty broad organization. Can you kind of just give us a, a high-level overview of, of what, how you're delivering and building products, and has there been any impact to the product management organization because of that? Yeah. 
Yeah, so, so I think this, this is still for us, to be honest, a, a bit of a work in progress. Uh, traditionally, VEDA has been very much a waterfall-based uh, development shop. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the benefits of waterfall are you put a lot of time in front, uh, up, up front, you know, specifying, you know, understanding your requirements, you know, documenting them to, to a, a, you know, a, a solid degree of detail around, you know, functional requirements, technology requirements before you get into the coding. And then as you start to build and test, your, your, you know, your, your reference point of what you're building to and what you're testing against is pretty solid, you know, because, because of the thought and effort that's gone in up front. So, you know, I guess they're the, the widely held um, benefits of, of, you know, a waterfall-type method, methodology. <laughs> you know, Agile, you know, is, is all about, you know, speed uh, and, and adaptability. But, of course, you know, bringing, for, you know, bringing into the process a lot of the, a lot of the specification uh, work and, and being you know, reasonably adaptable uh, around how, you know, how you work with, uh, you know, with your development. <laughs> so so we're, we're, we're down the path where most of our newer developments are more agile, so, so lighter uh, specification, uh, you know, detailed functional requirements are done up, up front uh, and, and uh, you know, a more proactive approach between the product managers uh, the business analysts and the development teams is undertaken during you know a development cycle. Now a challenge there, of course, is is you know if you don't do the the, di the discipline up front with your you know your scoping, your sizing, your estimating, you know it, it's how much budget do you, how much time you know how much effort you put aside for each for each plan development. And you know, we're finding we're we're having to try and learn how best to estimate uh, in a, in a you know a more agile. Uh, Agile world, so, so we're, we're going through the process. We're learning. You know, we're, we're certainly not expert uh, yet on, on on what we're doing, uh, but but certainly are starting to see the benefits of, of being more flexible and, and and you know a faster time to market uh, that you get out of out of a newer a newer more flexible approach like Agile or Scrum. So so I want to I want to poke on that a little bit, John. Put you on the spot a little bit. Uh, sure. Uh, you know, I I've taken people aback before because they will tell me that they're moving to Agile, and I'm a strong supporter of Agile. My last couple of projects I managed were Agile development projects. I 100% bought into the process. But whenever yeah. people tell me they're going to Agile, I like to say, so why? Yeah. Why? What, what problem are you solving with Agile? And, you know, once again, I'm putting you on the spot here. We're being recorded on a podcast, but, but why do you think – the big what problem is the biggest problem you're solving with your shift to newer projects going to agile yeah i i think there's a there's a generally held belief that agile methodologies give you a faster time to market now you know obviously what what you need to achieve that is a, a tighter integration between the the product management teams and the development teams to ensure that there's you know there's there's the specification work going on the fly day in day out you know you're, you're prioritizing you're having the stand up meetings you know the the, the the problem you're looking to solve is a, is a speed problem the the you know the the challenge i guess with waterfall is that the the disciplines of the process of waterfall come at a cost of bringing you know product to market mm -hmm. uh you know, you, you might end up with exactly what you specified, and you might end up with that within a time frame that you originally estimated. 
but but uh, you know with a with a an integrated product management and development team working around an agile methodology, I think you can get there faster and cheaper. Good deal. Good deal. That's that's good to hear. That is the promise, the adaptability, the flexibility. Uh, I have heard uh, said many times that we have a waterfall management discipline and we have an agile development shop. And yes. And product management sitting sitting right in the middle, being asked, "Give me a date and give me a revenue plan." And yeah. Agile saying, oh, "We can give you some general guidelines, but uh, whatever we tell you won't be correct anyway." So, <laughs> you know. Yeah, look, we're, yeah. we're 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 on the journey, John. We're on the journey. So so and you know traditionally, so so you know we've got the product managers on one floor and two floors down as our engineering team. So mm-hmm. so you know the the. The, the typical approach here has been to do the functional specs, uh, you know, work with the BAs around getting technical specs, getting that sized by the engineering team, and then handing it across to them, uh, to you know, and, and wishing them well with the development almost. And, and you, you know, with Agile, you've got to be a lot more integrated. You know, you've got to be almost positioning the product management teams and the engineering team working on that project together. You know, the co-location thing I think is is, is key. Yeah, it is. I think you're exactly right. But at the same time, of course, you're pushing the product managers to get out of the office and spend more time with yeah. the market. So, <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so, John, uh, we've pretty much spent as much time as as we wanted to record on this. But but let me say in closing, uh, as you look ahead, as you look ahead, you, you've made a huge turnaround. You know, and just my experience with your company made made great strides in becoming more tuned into your market, more market driven. Um, what do, you, what do you think the next 24 months are going to look like? What are some of the challenges you think you have there? Yeah, so, so you know, we, we, we operate in a, a global uh, a global economy, which is which is shaky. So starting top down, John, you know, what's going to happen with uh, with the U.S. marketplace? What's going to go on in Europe? That that drives um, the the sentiment of the Australian consumer. The Australian economy is is has a very very big domestic uh, is a very very big domestic economy apart from the the resources that we're selling to China, so so the consumers in in this part of the world are obviously impacted by events in other parts of the world, uh, and our business is impacted by you know consumer sentiment uh, and economic activity, credit demand and the like. So so from a macro standpoint, I think the world we live in is an interesting place, um, but you know governments uh, in this part of the world and in other parts of the world continue to look for stimulation, continue to deregulate, and continue to impose sensible regulation around things like you know, responsible lending uh, and the like. And, and all of those changes create opportunities for um, technology companies and data companies like Vita. So, so uh, you know, we, we live in a very, very exciting time. And, and, and also being you know, private equity owned, you know, our, our owners have, you know, a fairly clear, you know, they've given us They've given us the freedom not to not to focus on a quarter to quarter result, but focus on a longer term result. But 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 the but the clarity that comes with making sure that we we focus on you know, on that growth over the longer term. So that so there's plenty we're doing, getting out into the marketplace, understanding the big market problems we can solve with our capability and competence, uh, and and ensuring that we're doing things that are you know aligned to our capability and competence. So we're not stepping too far away into into markets into trying to solve. You know, market problems in markets that aren't too closely aligned to who we are and what we do, uh, ensuring that we're actually you know listening to the market, 
uh, investing in in you know the longer term, the medium term, as well as the short term. So so keeping customers happy, solving those short term customer problems, um, and and you know building you know staying true to our roadmap and building our our products you know against a, a roadmap which is addressing market problems in the in the medium to longer term. Good deal. Plenty Good to deal. do, plenty to do, and uh, you know, challenging times, but uh, it's all it's all very good, all very fun. Well, John Wilson, I think uh, Vita's in in good hands, and uh, as you know, we're we're always here to help you, and we really do appreciate your time this morning in Australia, this afternoon in Austin, Texas. Uh, any final words in closing before we uh, we call it a wrap? No, no, I'd like to thank you for your time, John. Thank you for inviting me to be a part of this. Uh, as you know, I'm I'm. Uh, a big, a big believer in the, you know, the, the pragmatic marketing framework and what you try, what you guys bring to organisations like Vita. Uh, I've seen tremendous results as a result of you know being more market driven and adopting the framework and just the, you know, the clarity that comes with having a frame of reference, a best practice frame of reference uh, to work against. All my team have adopted and embraced it, and as you know, we've had a range of not just training for my teams but also adjacent teams, the technology teams, the sales teams. The executive of Vita have all been through your half-day executive briefings. So, as a company, everyone knows uh, you know the, the 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 pragmatic marketing framework, and and you know literally on hundreds of the of the, the pods in the desk spaces, you know, people have the grid up. So, you know, happy uh, happy to participate on the podcast, and and you know, thank you for inviting me, and thank you for your continued support, John. All right, all right. Well, thank you very much, John Wilson, and and we'll call it. Thank you very much, Michelle.